This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation. And those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Profiles in Risk. My name is Nick Lamparelli. Today, I am joined with Evan Garman. Evan is a commercial insurance specialist at the Harpenau Insurance Agency. Evan is focused on helping business owners manage risk and also has a unique niche focus, which we'll get into in this podcast. Evan, welcome to Profiles in Risk. Thanks for having me, Nate. How's that for foreshadowing? <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, I think I like it. Well, uh, this is a take two. Uh, Evan is a really good sport. Uh, we've actually recorded this podcast, so this uh, deja vu all over again. And uh, uh, technology being what it is, or human error being what it is, I goofed up and pressed the wrong button and only recorded bits and pieces of it. So, Evan, thanks for being such a good sport and joining us again. My pleasure. So before we go into your niche area, um, which is pretty much why, why we wanted to have you on the show, as I was ref- as I was going through your LinkedIn profile, uh, I, I kind of fell in love with it. Um, you know, the, the excitement that you have for your work is just, it just shows, and the excitement that you show for what you do and what you do for your clients really shows through. So let's take a step back. Um, how... How did you find this passion? When did you, uh, you know, when did you first get exposed to the insurance industry, the insurance ecosystem, and walk us through how that led to today? Yeah, so uh, I studied uh, studied at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, uh, between 2010 and 2014. In 2013, I was entering my junior year. And I had to decide on a major. Actually, it was 2012, 2013. So uh, going to junior year, I had to decide on a major. I settled with finance at first. Uh, and then my first course of my junior year was actually an insurance risk management course. Uh, it was just like the basic 101 course that uh, just all juniors will have to take if they're a finance major. So set in the course, and the teacher just happened to say, hey, if you guys want to double major, have a finance degree and an insurance risk management degree, all you have to do is take an additional three courses over the next two years and you'll have a double major just setting you apart that much more from your competition. So I just thought oh, that's a no brainer. So uh, went into the classes, I signed up to also do the risk management program uh, through my coursework. I ended up falling in love with it there uh, before the end of my junior year. So much so I got on with a state farm agency here locally in my hometown uh, and was able to work with them through the summer. Um, it was it was definitely an experience. I'd never been in a sales position in, at all in my life, let alone working in an insurance agency before. So, uh, great great experience. Uh, loved every moment of it. Uh, it was tough though. I, I will say that. Uh, but yeah, I finished out my junior year and uh, got a or finished out my junior year. Uh, got on with the agency. Started senior year and got on with another agency in Muncie, Indiana, there at Ball State. Uh, so I was able to, again, continue to work in the industry through college. And uh, when I got out, that's when I was able to get in with Harpenau Insurance Agency. And 
since then they've really given me free reign to kind of go after accounts that I want to to work with, and uh, just a lot of a lot of ability to to do what I want. I work from home, so that's another great thing. A lot of flexibility, uh, great people to work with. So that kind of brings us up to speed to today. So uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll just go from there. Yeah, so so I'm interested because you said you you loved every minute of it, but I I remember uh, the in the in the prior episode of the podcast that was not recorded. Uh, we did talk about uh, hearing no, uh, actually um, oh, yeah. making trying to make sales and getting basically the door slammed in your face, which is uh, yep. a really difficult thing to overcome. It, you know, human beings just want to be loved. And hearing no yep. over and over and over is really, um, really painful. So uh, how, how did how did you do that? How did you overcome no? How did you how did you learn to love it? That, that I mean, to me, it's that's that yeah. that's a transition. If you can learn to love that negative aspect of it, then it's smooth sailing after that, right? Yeah. So hearing no was. I'd never really been used to that. Uh, again, I, I was, I'm a first child in my family. So, um, I'd say I always got what I wanted. Obviously my parents, they, they, uh, they restricted me on quite a bit, but I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, uh, getting into a sales position for the first time, it was, it was a struggle at first so much so that, uh, we did, there's a, I didn't tell you this story on the last podcast we did, but, uh, there was a day when we were doing just, a kind of sales training. Uh, so that one of the other guys in the office, he was in the next room over and, uh, I just had to do just a, a basic call over to him. And first thing I said was, hi, sir. Uh, I want to talk to you about your insurance. He said, well, what, what do you want to talk to me about? I said, well, well, I just need your social security number. I can get you a quote. And he was like, whoa, you don't start off with that. So I went really quickly, like what to, what to say to kind of work the conversation. But again, that first, first summer, I may have got only about, I think like three to five sales, if that, uh, again, not sure what I was doing there, how to sell insurance, uh, but hearing all those no's, it just kind of got me used to, it just, I just knew, okay, this is what I'm in for, so I better get used to it. And from there, I just came to appreciate it. Whenever I hear one no, it just gives me that much more motivation until I hear a yes. So that's just kind of the way I approach it now. So That's a good trait, and that's uh, something, you know, some of the younger listeners that may want to get into this field have to understand that you're going to get the no's and in order for you to be successful, you have to be able to overcome them and not only in sales, just in, in any kind of environment. So, um, so you have a very unique specialty, uh, or niche focus. Um, you, you are very active in the drone market, not just, uh, as a hobbyist, but in the insurance drone market. So, what what drew you to that? How when did you realize that uh, there was a possibility to actually commercially benefit uh, from the drone market? Yeah. So again, I got in this agency June 2014, and from the very start, they had said you have to find a niche. I mean, that's that's what the your your income is going to be based off is you just find a niche, and then you can really just start hammering that home. You get referrals that way, so. Uh, I just really kind of I was I tried to find myself uh, a good niche, not not having much luck at first. Uh, and then that Christmas of 2014, I got just a small toy drone. I mean, it was really cheap. It was less than a, I think it was less than 50 bucks, but it was something to get my mind off of uh, work. So I was able to just kind of cut loose for a little bit, just watch 
watch it fly around. It only lasts like eight minutes. So, again, not, not a whole lot of excitement, but it was, it was fun. Uh, so then a couple months later, uh, 2015, we had met with one of our uh, brokerages that we work with. They could, uh, does some special policies for us. And they had happened to mention, hey, we, we, we're starting to do this thing. It's called drone insurance. It's in our aviation division. Beginning these accounts, uh, they're starting to pop up. They just send them to us. We'll take care of them. So uh, I just started. I, I was like, oh, that sounds like a great niche for me. I love flying mine. And I, I really just started delving into it just head first, uh, doing all the research I could on the policies that were out there, information on the Internet about the industry, what the regulation regulations were like at the time. And just felt, okay, well, maybe I could make something with this. I started a Twitter account, just started tweeting about drone insurance. Again, in the early stages uh, when I was starting off with this, that first year I only got, I think, three customers out of that also. So it kind of reminded me of uh, my State Farm days. So, uh, but yeah, first three customers, uh, first one was in Massachusetts. And um, it was just, I was just like, well, maybe maybe this isn't going to work out. There's There's not a lot of interest out there in this industry yet. I, I just I kept with it, and 2016 came along, and we got an association that wanted to uh, support us in this. So they said, "Hey, we want you to be our insurance provider for our members." Uh, so they tasked us with coming up with a program for everybody, and I think it was about February, March of 2016, and it just started taking off for us. Uh, we got a lot of calls from just all over the place, a lot of members uh, who we were getting calls from. So we were setting policies up there, uh, slow going at first. Uh, still, we had only had just a, a few policies under our belt. Uh, they just started picking up steam there through 2016. And then in August of 2016, when the FAA figured out the regulations, uh, put in the, uh, the regulation of 107 pilots license, that really took things to the next level for us. We started getting calls just left and right. And Was that, was uh, that because it, uh, those regulations in, introduced uh, liability? No, actually, it didn't. Uh, again, nothing, nothing in the regulation about insurance. It was just purely just people could they could finally start a business without jumping through all those hoops that they were jumping through to get oh. their three 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 exemption. Oh, so so the, the regulations are streamlined. Yes, yeah, very much so. So then all you had to do is uh, really all you have to do now is just go to the testing center. I, they've got study materials out there. You go to a testing center, you take the test. And then you get your Part 107 remote pilot's license. So we just saw a huge influx in people that were getting that. So I said, hey, it's time for me to at least start a maybe a part-time business or quit my job, go into a full-time drone operation. Uh, so that's when things really start picking up, and it just hasn't hadn't really died down since. Uh, so yeah, we get oh gosh, I'd say anywhere between 10 to 12 uh, requests a week for coverage. So it's yeah, it's really it's still continuing on here even after, I mean, months after the regulations were set in stone. So. Yeah. Is, is the bulk of that still from the trade association or, or due to that? <laughs> so actually uh, the association is UAVSA. They're out of California. Uh, we have not received any member requests from them in a couple of months. Actually, this is all, uh, really just kind of grassroots based, just my own marketing efforts through Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, still a few on Twitter. I haven't, haven't updated that account as much, uh, just because I, it was kind of slow going. Facebook just seemed to, that's where everyone was kind of congregating. And, uh, just the Facebook groups that I'm in has just been a tremendous marketing avenue for me. So. 
Yeah, so you're just you're just known out there as the drone man. Yep, and all the groups, yeah, they just say, hey, talk to Evan. He could he could set you up if you have a question about insurance. So, Good, that's, yeah, that's great. That's been the yeah, that's been uh, definitely the biggest factor in our industry here for us. So, so when it comes to drone insurance, what what types of policies exist? Uh, what do they cover? And you know what's a what's a, a, a an average premium for that kind of policy? Yeah, so there, I guess I could say there's two different avenues that we can take, um, and that's it. Really, just depends on the business. Again, our our main focus is listen to what the actual needs of the client are, because every business is different. We're finding out they're doing different stuff, uh, so it's not all the same at all. So we just really need to make sure we have the right policy in place. Uh, large majority of the time, though, if it's a full-time drone operation, we'll go with uh, one of the aviation carriers that's providing a full. UAV policy. It's actually an adapted aircraft policy with specific wording for the unmanned aircrafts. Uh, there's a couple different parts of the coverage. Uh, first part, of course, liability. Uh, that's what's going to cover for bodily injury, property damage if your drone hits another person. Similar to like an auto policy is how we kind of tell people it's uh, it's really just covering the drone for whenever it hits someone or something. There is a couple other ancillary coverages. There is a little bit of premises coverage in there. So if Again, someone's uh, maybe walking past you, they trip over your bag or your luggage that you have there that you hold your drone in. Uh, there's coverage for that also, even medical payments. So that's that's the main part of the liability. There also is personal injury coverage that could come into play with these policies. And what you're thinking is invasion of privacy claims that are, uh, that's the big worry out there is if someone's going to sue an operator for flying over their property, uh, something along those lines. There's uh, personal injury coverage there. There's also advertising injury that goes right along with that, uh, just like most standard general liability policies. Uh, but again, it's focused for the UAV part of the operations is how we see it. So if you're taking those shots with the UAV and then a claim comes up because of that, that's where the coverage will be. Uh, so the other part is part, I guess, part two of the coverage, and that's actually coverage on the unit itself, the whole coverage. So that's if if you're flying around and you have an expensive unit, uh, maybe a couple thousand dollars or so, and it crashes, there's coverage for that. So uh, just, yeah, again, like whole coverage, physical damage is the other term we call it, uh, just so we get people used to these terms. So. Yeah, so um, in, in filling your niche, what are the types of things you do, what are the types of things you're doing day to day? So um, you, it just sounds like you probably, it, that, you know, getting on Facebook and getting on Twitter has to occupy a lot of your time. It's almost your marketing, right? It, to an extent, yeah. I've got, I essentially have four monitors on my desktop at all times. I have three for my computer and then my cell phone. Uh, my cell phone, <laughs> if, I, if I lost out, I don't know what I would do. Because uh, that's usually where I'm, I'm chatting with people. I get a lot of direct messages. Uh, for people just, hey, how do I how do I apply for insurance or where do I start uh, to get drone insurance? So, again, it's it's almost taken over uh, where my email used to play a big part. It's now, yeah, Facebook direct messaging. Of course, I always follow up to say, hey, we need to make sure we are following up on email to make sure we're binding coverage, altering coverage. So people people that we work with understand that. Uh, really, it's just those initial contacts of uh, where, do, where do I start or what can you tell me about the policy? Uh, so yeah, all, I'm in all the groups. I'm always getting tagged in in different groups. Uh, so it's kind of funny. My Facebook feed anymore. If I let it go for a couple hours, I mean, I've got a list of just tons and tons of notifications. 
it, it's funny because Facebook's not, uh, it's probably not very personal for you right now. It's not, believe it or not. My personal page is more focused on business. I don't really make any per personal posts anymore. It's all just business focused. <laughs> Uh, I, I would love it for the audience sake if you could take a picture of your desk with all of those monitors to, to, so they can see. Okay, uh, I'll have to get my wife's phone. Yeah, get my, my phone's on it here, so I'll, I can do that for you. <laughs> you're, you're almost like a Wall Street trader with all the monitors that you I, I feel you like that, yeah. yeah. So, um, so uh, who's in the space? Um, which, which carriers are um, really flexing their muscles and, and want, you know, aggressively trying to be in here? Yeah, so our the carrier we go to most often is Global Aerospace. They've been around for a number of years, and they really they really jumped into this market pretty pretty early into it. And uh, their pricing right now is really competitive with everyone else. They've also gone another step further, and actually they understand that agencies for us these policies don't make a lot of premium, and the average premium we see anymore is between one thousand maybe two thousand dollars. And of course, we get a cut of that. So. They just they start understanding that hey if you're doing this full time we really need to streamline this process so they went ahead and they actually developed a portal application system it's actually tied into their system so when someone goes to our website they click on the link and they can start that application again that just gets us the basic information uh, so we get a copy of the application when it comes through and then I usually follow up with the insured we go over the application make sure if there's anything that's uh, kind of different. I'll be sure to point that out to them. Definitely give them a couple uh, tips and risk management advice on a few things if we notice that uh, maybe they answered a question about not having a standard operating procedures manual. Definitely put them in the right direction for that. Uh, but the other benefit, again, with going with global is they're providing pilots with standard operating procedures manual. Uh, so that's a, just a huge resource right there. Again, it's about 30, I believe it's like 36 pages long last I looked at it. Again, They've just gone above and beyond from what we've seen. Uh, there are a couple other carriers out there, though. Again, we are an independent agency, so we work for the customer, not not global. Uh, but another carrier we've uh, utilized has been USAIG. They've been uh, really comp competitive on pricing, uh, and they've come in with uh, a little bit different coverages. It's about the same uh, when you start looking through the policies, down almost down to the exact forms they're using. So. Uh, Allianz is another company, but we haven't worked with them too much. I know that they've kind of gone on with an agency as a managing general agency. So we haven't touched, haven't talked to them too much here. We did initially in the start, uh, kind of seeing what they were coming in at. But initially back in 2015, their prices just were a little bit higher than what we were seeing with Global and some of the other carriers. So one thing I did want to mention, though, there are, well, there's about probably, I would say anywhere between 15 competitors out there that are doing the coverage and doing it uh, for just UAV operations. Of course, there's going to be more, uh, so we're, we're still trying to stay on that, but there's only a few, though, that are also providing the liability in the whole coverage. So we've had situations come up where we wrote a policy with a client for one company that only provides the liability, and then they go and purchase the more expensive units, say, hey, I want to add whole coverage on here, and then that's the unfortunate part where we had to tell them, sorry, this policy does not have whole coverage. Care is not offering that this time. And that's when we just have to start the whole process over. So that's why we've really kind of settled up with Global uh, for a large majority of the accounts. They just they can round out everything for us. And we don't have to worry about getting a whole new policy if the needs change. Uh, they're still really competitive. So um, 
but of course we also uh, we also try to follow up with the other coverage lines that people are getting requested to have. So for instance, general liability is always a big one for construction companies, utility companies, when they're bringing on UAV operators. That also include business auto, sometimes workers' compensation coverage, and professional liability. We've had one customer actually, he required he was required to have cyber liability, and we had to get a policy for that. So yes. uh, really, we're, yeah, that's what's really kind of set us apart. Also, we're not a strict aviation insurance agency. We are really just a general independent agency that specializes with drone coverage. I'm I'm curious. Does for the hobbyists out there, is there any coverage on a homeowner's policy? You know, I'm I'm a commercial specialist. Uh, we I don't really do much with the hobbyist use right now. It really it comes down to there's so many different carriers out there. Uh, I couldn't know exactly who is who is offering coverage on the homeowners. I've said that if it comes up, it's just going to be kind of a, a gray area. On my own personal policy, so I, for a hobbyist, I go through what's uh, it's an app called Verify, and it's actually a global global aerospace policy that's uh, set up by another brokerage who it's just an insure tech firm, and you get on. It's like ten dollars for an hour of coverage, uh, so that's that's the best thing I'd recommend for hobbyist use right now. And uh, again, homeowners policies, I, I'm just not I can't really comment on that just to know what what players in that arena have started jumping in with providing that kind of coverage. Yeah, we'll add we'll add this Verify um, app. We'll, I'll grab the link and throw that on the show notes for anyone that's listening, trying to, uh, you know, potentially inter- interested in that coverage. Um, could you could you talk about, you know, a, a particular event um, that you found where uh, you were extremely proud or you know you you did something that was you know quite successful are there are there any uh any particular accounts or uh, events in those accounts where you know things just really stand out and you look back at that and you're just like you know that's why i'm in this business yeah so it goes back to the claim situation for me uh we had one customer uh again not not mentioning names he knows who he is if he's listening to this Uh, (laughs) he's he's our first drone client though he's had three different claims on his policy in the first year and that the third actually the second claim that came along i was for sure that was not going to be covered uh he was renting equipment from another gentleman the camera he was renting was about twelve thousand dollar camera as a thermal camera so nice little expensive piece of equipment, and uh, one of his employees was looking at it before they were uh, going to ship it back. And on that third day, we had the policy. Uh, it was actually the, it was a short-term endorsement to the policy. But on that third day, the gentleman dropped the camera on the ground. Really, just it was mainly cosmetic damage. It may have rattled a few internal components in it, uh, but. They shipped it back anyway because the, the employee didn't tell the owner that he had dropped it and then just took a Sharpie, kind of colored it back in. Oh, boy. And we got a call from the owner, and the owner said, hey, this this thing's not – this isn't how it was whenever we sent it to him. We need to file a claim on this of some sort. So I was like, okay, I doubt this is going to be covered. It's cosmetic damage. The guy dropped it on the ground. I was like, well, we'll just kind of throw up a Hail Mary. We'll send it up to see what, uh, what Global's claims department wants to do. And sure enough, they, they ended up paying out a whole new camera for the gentleman after it came out to be like a $6,600 $6, claim. So at that point, they just said, well, this is a, 
we'll just total the camera. We'll just take possession of it, buy you a new one. And the price actually did come down. So he had insured for 12000 came in at like 10000 for the next uh, newest model. In that kind of case, it was just, oh, my gosh, this is this is crazy. They're, they're providing coverage for this. The insured, I think he was ecstatic because he actually had the chance to repurchase the camera back from Global for a cheaper price. So in that kind of, that kind of situation, it's just it's really rewarding just to know, okay, this, what we're selling is actually making a difference here. This guy's out. Uh, he would have been out probably $10,000 having to buy a new camera. Now he's just out his deductible. He has the opportunity to buy the unit back. So uh, that was just it was just really interesting. That just happened just this past year. So I bet that guy's still a global customer. Oh yeah, yeah, he will be. Yep. Yeah, and a hard yeah. now customer. Yeah, I mean, and, and and for those listening, that's that's what the business is all about, right? That the product is not yeah. the actual piece of paper. It's the claims. It's the experience that goes yeah. along with the claims. Okay. And, yep. you know, there's one satisfied customer. He's uh, global probably has a customer for life. Yeah. One thing I could add to that is just, it's all about the promise. I mean, that's all the, the yeah. paper is really just, Hey, we're going to pay this whenever something happens. And uh, I mean, they follow through with it with flying colors. So. Yeah. Uh, what would you, uh, would, what would you say um, for advice to uh, to the younger generation that's coming into insurance or thinking about it? You know, should they think about insurance? And if they do, what are they? What are the types of things you think uh, they can and should do to be successful? Yeah, uh, I would definitely say. I mean, talk with if you're not even familiar with the industry, definitely talk with your your independent agent that you work with, or maybe a you may work with a captive agency. Start just learning where they where they started out. I mean, no one gets into this industry like I did. Maybe maybe a select few. Again, I I kind of jumped into it out of college. Uh, but a lot of the people I hear I talk to, they've come from another side of uh, another industry altogether, and then just fell into insurance. Uh, so if you're going to start into it early, uh, the biggest thing I could say is just, I mean, just, just go for it. Uh, don't, don't be scared to hear the word. No, that's, that's really common in my everyday language anymore. I hear no more than anyone else. I feel like in, in the world, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would just say, don't be, don't be scared of it. It's a rewarding industry. When you get into it, uh, you work with a lot of great people. You have the opportunity to work in some great industries also as being a real, just really getting a feel for it. I mean, you're, I'm really involved in the industry myself. Uh, from a hobbyist perspective, so uh, just getting to talk with these guys whenever they're out flying, uh, sharing their experiences, it's just it's really rewarding. Plus the flexibility I have. Again, I work from home. Uh, you don't get a lot of flexibility if you're working like in a lot of positions anymore. I mean, you have to be in the office uh, working with clients, but uh, any more insurance I see is it's it's a lot of transaction over over the phone, over the internet. Uh, I still do like to have those face-to-face -face meetings. I actually had one today, so. I like to get out of the office, but that's, uh, it's still, I just can't even describe how much joy this industry brings to me just from a, just a really rewarding, rewarding career path I've chosen. So, yeah. Could you, could you talk about the pros and cons of working from home? Oh yeah. So definitely, definitely the cons. You're always at home. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you go to the office down in your basement or wherever it is. When you go, when you get out the office, you're already home. So it has its pros and cons in the, in the same the same aspect there. But definitely one of the biggest pros is just flexibility. I don't have someone hovering over my shoulder all the time. The agency owner, he's uh, 
it's just been really instrumental and just say, hey, we, this is the way the industry is going. A lot of people are going to start working from home, so we need to jump into this. And again, it just gives you more fulfillment, I feel like, just knowing, okay, if I, if I need to do something, I can just go upstairs, take care of something personal. And uh, But then again, I could always just go out, meet with people. I do a lot of networking with our local chamber of commerce. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the pros there is just, again, flexibility when you work from home. But, of course, you have to have the right personality to work from home. Um, luckily, I'm one of those people I can just sit down and work, work, work for hours. Uh, we're doing this. We're filming this right now at uh, almost 730 um, in my office. So, <laughs> but when we get done here, I just go upstairs and I'll eat dinner tonight. Yeah. Uh, it does take a special personality. One that, I mean, if you're a person that just can't focus too much on one task, it's probably not the right decision to work from home. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, the other thing is you have to be willing to work by yourself sometimes. So I'm kind of one of those people that kind of fall in that between introvert and extrovert where I don't need a lot of actual contact with people, but I still like to have that, uh, and that's why I like to get out a little bit. So. Yeah. Well, you know, a skeptical person might say, well, of course Evan loves working all day long. He's on Facebook and Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even consider Facebook personal anymore. I mean, like I said, I've I've got I think more more friends that are clients than I do friends that are friends. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I I I don't post a lot of personal stuff on Facebook. Um, and I was having a conversation with someone. I told them I I I actually use it for research a lot. I use LinkedIn yeah. definitely a ton for research. Oh, yeah. But I use uh, Facebook for research and I also use it uh, their their algorithms do a really good job of suggesting products for me to buy. I've purchased <laughs> yeah. so much. I just bought a uh, a fall and winter jacket that's like one of those uh, army, you know, army survivalist jackets, really thin, yeah. really breathable, but it's good to like a really low temperature. Because uh, I don't like big bulky mm -hmm. coats, and it's like, well, how did Facebook know that? They always seem to suggest the thing that I want to buy. I, I I have spent a lot of money on Facebook, so yeah, it's funny because uh, I'm starting to see all the drone stuff that's being advertised now, and I, I purchased a Kickstarter campaign uh, product that's will hopefully be shipping here in the next couple of weeks. So it's a drone. Yeah, I I uh, the the biggest purchase I made was a was a Kickstarter campaign through Facebook. Uh, it was a digital notebook, uh, except this one was a little bit different. So it had the touch and feel of paper, um, and it yeah. um, and it didn't have like the glow or the shine of an iPad. Um, and it was like it was completely dedicated for reading, writing, and drawing as like a notebook. So it had the, the pencil felt like a pencil, and the that's what yep. that's what the Kickstarter campaign said. So, uh, but apparently, I'm not getting mine until October. I I, I don't know what takes. Oh. So, anyways, do you recognize that sound? Oh yeah, yep. Did be so well this in the last time uh, we filmed this. So, <laughs> so I'm uh, this time. I've done a little more research, so we'll see. <laughs> We've played. We've we've played this game once, and and you actually did pretty well. You you got you got some of the answers oh, yeah. right, but unfortunately, it's like uh, when a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it. Did it okay. actually make a sound? Yeah. So my yeah. words don't really mean anything. You could have done uh, well. really uh, really <laughs> terribly, uh, but or really great. No one really knows. And so unfortunately, <laughs> for rank the risk, I got a whole new set of questions for you. Um, All right. 
So um, I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm put some of the statistics uh, on the show notes uh, from my last questions, where, which was really uh, ranking uh, drone usage by state. You kind of got that one. Um, and then uh, the per capita drone usage. And we found out that uh, Alaska is the number one in the country. And Florida is the only mm-hmm. one of the top four states that's actually in the top 20 per capita. So I'm still yeah. going to put that up. But no, Evan, uh, you're out of luck. I, I got new questions. Um, so All you right. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, in 2015, uh, 400,000 drones were given as Christmas gifts. So which is greater? The number of flood insurance policies sold in California in 2015 or the number of drones given as a Christmas gift in 2015? So it's just as a reminder, in 2015, 400,000 drones were given as Christmas gifts. The state of California has a population of greater than 30 million. So which is greater, the number of Christmas gift drones in 2015 or the number of flood insurance policies in California sold? Gosh, uh, this is a tricky one. Should should I put the music back on? Uh, (laughs) Well, the thing is, I'm trying to think is I don't write a whole lot of flood insurance here in Indiana. Uh, I mean, it it comes up, but I'm just trying to think what California is. I I thought it was a trick question. I might have to go if there's more drones sold. Uh, Hold on. It is a trick question. That was absolutely absolutely a trick question. Yeah, I, it, the number oh, astounded wow. me. I will put I will put this fact sheet up of drones on on the show notes. So there were four hundred thousand drones given as Christmas gifts in twenty fifteen. Yeah, and there were fewer than three hundred thousand flood insurance policies out wow. of a population of thirty million. Uh, oh that, that's just uh, it. Just goes to show you like how big this drone market is getting. And, and according to you, 2016, yeah. everything changed. So uh, I bet yeah. Christmas 2016, you know, the number, the number really skyrocketed. So uh, good for you. You, you got the question, right? Thank you. <laughs> okay. Second and final question. Then we'll let you off the hook again in 2015 okay. uh, U S air traffic control or a pilot spotted a drone flying near a flight path of a manned aircraft about 600 times in 2015. So which is greater? Uh, which is greater? That number, the number of uh, drones flying near a flight path uh, detected by U.S. air traffic control or a pilot, or the number of tornadoes that touched down in the state of Texas? Oh, Another trick question, huh? Oh, yeah, I would say so. I won't have to go with the number of tornadoes this time. That's what I thought, but it's actually the opposite. Uh, And that's what surprised me. When when I saw the number of tornadoes, I said, whoa, that just goes to show you, like, again, how many drones there are uh, and how many many of these incidents, not just the number of drones. There were... In the United States, there were six. There were more than six hundred incidences of aircraft, air traffic control, or a pilot spotting a drone flying near the flight path. Okay, yeah. and in 2015, there were only 244 
uh, tornadoes that yeah. touched down in the state of Texas. Wow. The last question you had on or the last time we uh, recorded this was about lightning strikes in Texas, right? Yes, I'm 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 obsessed with yeah. Texas. Texas and the weather. <laughs> yes. I, I, I couldn't find anything to tie the lightning strikes uh, and, and for the audience's benefit. <laughs> it was uh, just under 10,000 lightning strikes in 2015 uh, for the state of Texas. Uh, but that's pretty scary. You know, you got all of these. Oh, yeah. it, it, it reminds me of uh, Star Wars um, when you have all of these uh, – aircraft just all flying around and they're all going yeah, in different directions. They're not going in straight lines. They're going in X, no. Y, Z, A, B, C coordinates, you know, trajectories, yep. you know, uh, just vectoring out all over the place. So Evan, thanks for playing uh, rank the risk and thanks for being all on right. profiles in risk. If someone uh, wanted to reach out to you, how would they find you? Yeah. So obviously Facebook, uh, just look up Evan Garman, uh, right now, I've got a picture of me, my wife, and our puppy, who's now one year old, and uh, his name's Xander. So yeah, you can look me up on there. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and of course, my agency's uh, website. You can go there. If you want to apply for a policy or look at our application uh, portal we have, it's harpernowinsurance.com slash drone. Uh, we are in the process of getting a new website also, so that will be changing here a little bit uh, in the next couple of weeks, we hope. So yeah, there's there's tons of ways to reach out to me. Again, I'm open just about any time working from home. Uh, I take calls on weekends, so uh, I don't try to give up my personal number anymore. I kind of found out I shouldn't be doing that too much. Uh, but again, my cell phone is my one work phone, so if you call me, I'll probably pick up either way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll put that information on the show notes. And and to conclude, before we leave, uh, we'll put a picture of Xander up. Uh, what's what's okay. funny about Xander is Xander actually interrupted our last <laughs> podcast, so it's unfortunate I didn't record it. Uh, I actually don't remember yeah. it, but you brought it up afterwards. So uh, we'll put a picture of uh, beautiful Xander up. Xander looks like uh, some kind of poodle mix. He's a schnoodle, yeah, a schnauzer and a poodle mix. Yeah, he actually he ate a couple pieces of paper from my office here on on Sunday when we were recording. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't hear it. It's uh, it's too bad. It would have made for good radio. So, uh, Evan, uh, thanks so much for being on Profiles on Risk. Thanks for having me again, Nick. Thanks. Okay.